all things New Orleans Saints. This is Who Dat Discussion. Powered by Overtime Media. What is up, Who Dat Nation? Welcome into another off-season edition here at the Who Dat Discussion. As always, I am your host, Andrew Galata. You can follow me on Twitter, at Andrew Galata. Then also, you can follow the podcast on Twitter, at the Who Dat Dis. We have another exciting show for you guys today, as we're going to be talking about Chris Sims and Drew Brees. And then we're also going to get into our last offensive positional preview with the running back. So that's our last position. And then we're going to move over to our last position on the defense, which is going to be safety. And then after that, we are done with the positional breakdowns. Then we're going to basically do a whole breakdown of the whole team in one giant episode. And I'm going to do that in the future, probably within the next few weeks. And that should be definitely really exciting as well. But I do want to start off here with our new segment, first topic of the episode, where Chris Sims ranked 15 QBs ahead of Drew Brees. And I thought going into this episode would be very, very light on the news. And and I didn't even think I was going to get a topic out of it. And I was thinking to do both positional breakdowns in one episode, but we're only going to do one because Chris Sims decided to put out his rankings for the best quarterbacks headed into 2020. And he decided to put Breeze 16th on the list. And I don't know what he was thinking, to be quite honest with you. I mean, look, he, he he's made... He hates the Saints, first of all. For some reason, this guy just hates the Saints. But he especially hates Drew Breeze, and he hates a lot of the older QBs. He doesn't like Tom Brady either, saying he's the 15th best QB. But... He puts Breeze even below Brady, and I was just really interested because you're looking at the quarterbacks he put ahead of him. He put Kyler Murray ahead of him. He put Kirk Cousins ahead of him. He put Ryan Tannehill ahead of him, and it's just like, come on. Are you telling me that there are 15 QBs better than Drew Brees? And some of them, I mean, come on. This stuff is just, I mean, I'm almost speechless because I don't know what Chris Sims is thinking here, and as much as you want to say Breeze is getting old, Breeze is getting old, Breeze just threw 27 touchdowns in 11 games. That's only nine less than the league leader. And again, that's only in 11 games. So you don't think Brees going to throw nine touchdowns in five games? I think he could have. And one of those games that he played, he he played like uh, two series because it was against the Rams before he got hurt. So who knows how many touchdowns he would have put up in that game. Also, he only had four interceptions, which is, I mean, would have been the lowest in the league. Again, if he played 16 games now, it's obviously very difficult because again, You don't know how many interceptions he would have thrown in those five games, but four interceptions is really, really low. And if you're looking at interception percentage, which is the amount of times interceptions are thrown per pass attempt. So Breeze is fourth on that list. And again, so that's obviously really good. You're looking at his touchdown percentage. He's third. So like, and that's touchdowns per pass attempts. And so that's obviously really high. Then you want to look at yards per game, because again, I, I do think that you have to look up per game, especially when Breeze only played 11 games, and Breeze is 8th in that. So really, he's definitely in the top 10, and in a lot of categories, he's in top 5. He also had the best completion percentage, so if you want to equal them all out, he's right around that number 5, maybe even higher when you're looking at these top quarterbacks in the league. Not 16th. You want to look at one stat, Breeze is not 16th or below in any of them. So if you're looking for the stats, Breeze is obviously not 16th. He's more of a top five guy, as we know. But Chris Sims obviously just doesn't understand that. Then, because he hasn't released his full ranking. So we're just going to do the guys that have been released that are ahead of Breeze. So first, you have Tom Brady. 
and his interception percentage, which we'll do first. So Brady's interception percentage was sixth, but that is lower than Breeze. Then you want to look at his touchdown percentage. Brady's touchdown percentage was 25th in the league. Breeze was third. Okay, so that obviously shows that Breeze is a lot better in that category. Yards per game, Breeze is eighth, and then Brady is 13th. So then again, you want to look at QB rating. We'll look at that as well. So Breeze had the second best in the league. Brady had 18th best in the league. So you want to look at all that? There you go. And to me, that just shows you why Breeze is a superior quarterback going into 2020. Breeze had the much better statistical year. And he won more games. So I don't want to talk about, oh, well, Breeze is not winning games. He's winning games as well. He was 8-3 and three in the 11 games he played. And you want to take that one loss that he was hurt mid-game. I mean, that's again, I mean, you'll definitely count it towards him, but that's kind of questionable there. So even 8-3 and three is a really good record. And again, you'll definitely take that game in and game out. And then I, I know he lost in the playoffs, but he, it's not like he wasn't winning games. He was playing at an extremely high level until that playoff game. And you really can't discount a player off of one playoff game. I don't know why people keep on doing it. And they're really just setting themselves up to be wrong because then Breeze is going to go out and have a really good statistical season again. The Saints are probably going to win a lot of games. And then we're going to go back into this same argument. But that's Brady. So that's why Breeze, I think, is better than Brady going into 2020. Chris Sims doesn't think so. Ben Roethlisberger didn't play in 2019. So I guess you're going to put him in front of Breeze. I don't know why. But he didn't play, so you really can't compare the stats. You can go back to Roethlisberger's 2018 stats, and Breeze had much better stats in 2019 when you look at all those average stuff, and that, to me, is definitely big there. Then you look at Kirk Cousins, and Kirk Cousins did have a good year this year. I'm definitely going to say that, but Breeze had a better QB rating, so that's the first thing we'll look at. Then touchdowns, Breeze is higher as well. Interception percentage, Breeze is higher again, so that as well. Breeze has a higher completion percentage, so obviously that's big. And then yards per game, I believe Breeze, see if he has the upper hand. He has the upper hand on that too. So in all stats, Breeze is better. And then you want to talk about the one-on-one matchup where Cousins beat Breeze. Cousins didn't play so hot in that game. Everyone talks about how Cousins, he was amazing in that game. And, you know, he really led the Vikings to victory. And it was like a fairy tale victory for him. And again, I don't think it was like that. Again, I was watching the game just like everybody else. And I saw... Kirk Cousins struggle for a lot of the game. Because you want to see his stats here. He was 19 of 31 for 242 yards, a touchdown and no pick. He was sacked twice. He also had a 61% completion percentage. That's no amazing feat. And like 50 of those passing yards came on one pass. So again, you, you take the OT out and it was even worse for him. So he didn't play so hot in that game. And obviously Breeze didn't either. But I, I wouldn't be saying, oh, Kirk Cousins led them to victory and played great. The defense did a lot of that work in that game, and they should be applauding them. So I, to me, really, Kirk Cousins didn't play amazing in that game, and he's definitely not better than Breeze going into 2020. Kyler Murray, he's not better as well. And this is a rookie player compared to, I mean, a 19-year veteran that's putting up all the stats. You want to look at Kyler Murray, and again, Kyler Murray is definitely, I think, has a bright future in the league. This is not a really a discount on him, but you can't compare it to Drew Brees at this point in his career. Because you want to look at touchdowns. Breeze in 11 games had more touchdowns than Murray. And Breeze only played 11 games. Murray played all 16. And it was pretty. It was by a pretty sizable amount. Excuse me there. You had Breeze having 27 touchdowns. And then Murray only having 20 touchdowns. But you want to talk about Murray's rushing ability? We'll look at those stats too. Because I guess you got to add those touchdowns as well. Because I guess that wouldn't be fair. Because obviously Murray had a lot of rushing ability as well. So you look into his 2019 season rushing the ball. He had four touchdowns, 
which would still combine to be lower than Breeze. So again, to me, that and Breeze only 11 games and Murray playing 16. So I don't know where he's getting Kyler Murray higher than Breeze there. And you want to talk about wins. Breeze had a ton more wins. I think Breeze was a better playmaker. He's more valuable, all that stuff. And then Ryan Tannehill is the last player. First of all, Breeze did beat Ryan Tannehill at Tennessee. So that's the first thing I wanted to say. And Tannehill does have a lot of great stats last year. He had a very good statistical season, but Breeze still gets him out in most categories. So Breeze, obviously, he had more touchdowns than Tannehill, and Tannehill did play one more game, and Breeze had five more touchdowns. So that was that. You're looking at QB rating, and you see that Breeze is second in the league to Tannehill. So Tannehill was number one in that. So that was that. Breeze did have only four interceptions to Tannehill's six interceptions, and Breeze had a better interception percentage, a lower interception percentage. So that was good. Yards per game, Breeze had a higher amount. So that was obviously kind of a tick towards Breeze as well. And then also Breeze did have a higher completion percentage as well. So if you look at all the statistics, Breeze is basically better in all of them besides QB rating. And then Breeze also beat Tannehill when you're looking at the head-to-head matchup. So this should really show that Breeze is also better than Tannehill. So Breeze is better than all these QBs that... Sims ranked above him, and we'll keep doing this when the rest of his list is released. Again, I just really don't see what this guy's thinking. I mean, he just doesn't have a touch on the quarterback position, because th- this ranking may be the worst ever. And when you're looking at this, I mean, I think you could have 10-year-olds have a better list than this, and again, for him to be obviously an analyst, a big analyst, I mean, to me, that just shows, again, analysts, the mainstream media, they're not always right. And another thing I have with Sims is that he said that Michael Thomas isn't the best receiver in the game, and the reason he's not is because he has a great QB throwing on the ball. Well, you just said Drew Brees was ranked 16th best in the league. So how can you say he has a great QB throwing on the ball when you ranked him so low? So that just shows how cockamamie Chris Sims' thinking is, and it makes absolutely zero sense. I just had to point this out. I mean, I know that Chris Rosoglu had a really great podcast on this. Definitely go check it out. And he's been on Chris Sims' case from the beginning, and he's every right... To do that because, again, Chris Sims is just like a vendetta against the Saints for whatever reason. I mean, maybe the Saints like wouldn't add him to their roster or something even after they, he tried out or something. I don't really know. But again, it just makes no sense of why he just hates on the Saints to the ultimate level. And again, it just boggles my mind. Like, why do you hate the Saints? There's no reason really to. I mean, what they do to you. I mean, again, it just makes no sense. He hates on Drew Brees. And honestly, he hates on a few other QBs too. I mean, to put also Tom Brady, I mean, again, Tom Brady, I think is definitely um, getting worse when he gets older. But then, I mean, to put Ryan Tannehill ahead of him, I mean, come on, let's be real here. And Kyler Murray right now in the point of his career, to me, it just makes zero sense. And I mean, I definitely want to hear what you guys think. Definitely comment me on Twitter and then all other social medias on the podcast. Definitely want to hear what you guys think about this because... Again, I'm just I'm just baffled almost. I mean, like I have almost no words because it just makes zero sense. So I, I thought that was kind of a fun news topic to talk about because rank. I mean, look in this time of the offseason, rankings are obviously going to rule social media and the internet. And this one to me is just. I mean, and there are also a lot of other um, rankings for the QBs, and a lot of them have been pretty solid. I mean, CBS did a pretty good one. I mean, obviously there's going to be arguments, but for the most part, it was pretty solid. But then you just have stuff like this, and it's just like. Obviously, it's clickbait. So definitely just honestly, I just wanted to say it because I thought that was just something 
that I, I had to put out there and just fight for Drew Brees a little bit as a quarterback because he definitely has much better attributes in anything you look at. You want to look at stats, you want to look at wins, you want to look at play on the field. Brees is better in everything. He's a superior quarterback than all these guys we listed above him. And there's going to be even more people that Chris Sims is going to list that are worse than Brees as well. So we'll definitely talk about that a little more as his list finishes up. But again, I thought it was just to be a fun topic to talk about and just show how Drew Brees is still on a very high level. And he's definitely in the elite level of quarterbacks, top five level of quarterbacks. And, and that's just my opinion. You could disagree. But again, that's what I kind of think where Breeze is right now. And I think he's an integral part of the Saints team. I think without Drew Brees, they're not winning the Super Bowl. So that's just what I think there. Before we get into doing our positional analysis of our running back group, we are going to take a quick break. You are listening to the Who Dat Discussion Podcast. Welcome back into the Who Dat Discussion. And now we are going to get into our positional breakdown of our running back group. We're going to start off with our RB1, and definitely we're going to talk a lot about him in this segment because there are some questions around him, and that's Alvin Kamara. 25 years old when the season's going to start. There is definitely extension available if the Saints want to give him that, and Track thinks his market value is around four years to $57 million to $59 million. so definitely very interesting there to give him. When looking at comparisons, you have David Johnson, who was 26. He got his extension three years, $39 million. Then you have Zeke Elliott getting a six-year, $90 million. And then you had Christian McCaffrey getting four years, $64 million, I believe, or $65 million. He was right in the kind of range of that. So when you're looking at it, definitely Kamara is going to be probably in that range. I think on the lower end, like Kamara, I don't think has as much value in the league than Christian McCaffrey does or guys like Zeke Elliott does. Again, I think he's going to just be like Christian McCaffrey. He's going to probably get a deal like similar to Christian McCaffrey, like a four-year deal. But I think less money and then maybe less years as well. Maybe like a three-year. I think three or 39 is pretty fair right now because he did have a down year. He had 171 carries, almost 800 yards, 4.7 yards per carry. Then he also had only five touchdowns, 81 catches, 533 yards, one touchdown, 70 PFF grade. But again, it was a regression from the season before. And again, I think that's, again, that's definitely a little alarming, but we're all thinking it's because of injuries. Now we're all thinking that he had nagging knee and ankle injuries, and that was the reason why he didn't have that explosiveness, that ability to break tackles. Because look, his hands were still amazing. He was still able to make some really nice catches. He was still able to be a really nice possession piece for the Saints. He was able to be a really good pass catcher for the Saints, and he was able to make plays, but just not to the elite level that he was making them before the injuries. And again, a lot of people are saying, well, 75% Alvin Kamara is better than a lot of people's 100%, and I definitely agree with that. But he was missing that 25% just burst, like that stability, that matrix mode that Kamara said he gets into. Like that wasn't really apparent last year. I mean, it was in some games, but definitely after the injury, it was less and less and less. And like that explosiveness was gone. That ability to like glide was just gone. And he was getting definitely tripped up on some easy tacklers. He was losing a lot of one-on-one matchups in space, which he wasn't before the injury. And again, it wasn't that he was bad, but he was just more of a, like, not a big play target, not a big play threat, more of just a possession player. And his running wasn't bad as well, but again, he missed that, like, burst. Like, there were a few bursts where I just, like, I just felt like we're gone. He was just missing a step. It just wasn't the same. And that's probably because he was only 75% Alvin Kamara, 70% Alvin Kamara, maybe even less, 50% Alvin Kamara at times. And again, that's why you're going to get definitely a regression there. 
and you're hoping this season, fully healthy, he's going to be raring to go, going to have a big year. I certainly think he's going to have that big year, but now the question is, when do you extend him? Because if you're the Saints, you're not going to give him that McCaffrey-type deal right now. You're looking at his stats, they're not at McCaffrey's level. McCaffrey just had a career year. He had a record-breaking year. Kamara is not going to get that same amount of money, so you're trying to think where Kamara is going to get. Well, this year, I would kind of offer him that David Johnson-type contract. Three years, $39 million. And again, that's not like a huge, huge contract. It's a big contract, but it's only three-year commitment. And I, again, I think right now when you're looking at, look, Kamara had elite two years. Last year uh, the, last year in 2019 wasn't as elite, and it was def- it was good, but it wasn't great. And again, that's why I get this three years, $36 million, three years, $39 million. I'd probably give him a little less than $39 million, maybe like $36 million, and that's right now. Just because he's coming off some injuries, there's still questions there. And you're not going to give a guy the record-breaking extension when there are questions. So that's what I would offer him. I don't think he's going to hold out because he knows I don't have a lot of leverage. I didn't play that great last season. You're looking at other guys like Dalvin Cook's going to hold out. And Aaron Jones says he won't hold out, but he's kind of a possible candidate to hold out. And those guys are probably more likely to hold out because they did have career years. And they had their best years of their career in the prior season, the 2019 season. Kamara didn't. So he's got to prove himself that... He's able to get that big extension if he wants one. And I do think that's fair. And if at the end of the season, he has a huge year. The Saints are going to be the first people in line to say, I'm going to extend him. And maybe the Saints do give him the big contract this year, but I wouldn't. And again, I offer him a contract or offer him a three-year extension, probably around $39 million, maybe a little less, maybe a little more. But I think that he should be right in that realm that, that David Johnson got because David Johnson really only had like one or one and a half good seasons when he got that big deal. And it didn't work out for the Cardinals. Obviously, now he's moved on to the Texans. But again, I think that that wasn't like an awful deal for the Cardinals. I mean, they were able to get out of it. And it's only three years. So at the end of the day, three years is three years. So there's not as much risk there as like a six-year deal with Elliott or even a four-year deal with Christian McCaffrey. I, I, I do think that it's not the worst thing for the Saints there. And again, I just wanted to say that, look, Alan Kamara is a great player, and I'm very confident that he's going to bounce back, and I think he's going to bet on himself here. Like, yeah, I could definitely get a three-year, $40 million extension around that area, probably a little less of that money. I can get that probably next year because I'm not going to play. I'm going to play at least at the level I played last year, and that's what he's got to be thinking. He's going to get that same amount of money, and then you're looking at, look, still if I have a bad year, I'm probably going to get three years, 36 to $40 million. But then he's like, well, if I bet on myself and have a huge year, then I can get that record-breaking money, and that's what I probably should do. Because your baseline is really still a good payday with $12 million a year for three years. Like, that's great. That's life-changing money for sure. So, like, that's great for Kamara. And then if he, he if he's able to have a really good season, he doubles that amount of money. So, again, that's, like, the kind of thinking I'm taking. I think Kamara's taking the same thing. I don't think he's going to hold out. He hasn't said anything about holding out. He's only talking about how he's excited for the season. You see him in the workouts and all that fun stuff. So it is interesting to see. But I think out of all the running backs that are entering the final year of their rookie contracts, I think Kamara is actually the least likely to hold out because his last season wasn't his career season. It was his worst season to date. So again, it is very interesting. But I think right now the best thing for the Saints and Alvin Kamara is probably to ride out this last year, have Kamara have a big year in a contract season, and then also at the end of the season, then they can come together. Hopefully with a Super Bowl ring, you have a big contract and everyone's happy. And... Again, that's something that you would love to see there. I mean, yeah, if you're the Saints, you're going to offer him that contract, but you're not going to give him a huge contract because let's say he does accept a three-year, $36, $39 million deal, and he goes off next year. Well, the Saints look pretty good because they would have got him. They got him at a much cheaper cost. So that's what I do if I'm the Saints. 
And if I'm Kamara, I say I pass. I'm going to hold off until next offseason. And that money probably will still be on the table. And it could be a lot more if he has a big season. So that's really what I'm thinking with Alvin Kamara there. So that's really the Saints' number one running back. Obviously, elite skills. If he's fully healthy, he can utilize those skills to be a really big impact player for the Saints and help the Saints go on to a run to the Super Bowl. So that's really what I think from Alvin Kamara. He's going to be that star player that the Saints always have had in him since he's been in the league, which is obviously really good there. Number two running back, Latavius Murray. He took over Mark Ingram last year. He is going to be 30 years old. So he's kind of that veteran bruiser type guy that's going to go through a hole and he's going to just get a lot of momentum running downhill. And I really like the way he runs. 637 yards on only 146 carries last season. He did have five touchdowns. He also had one receiving touchdown. He had over 230 yards receiving on 34 catches. So I thought that was pretty good. He had a 73.3 PFF grade, which is also very solid. So when you're looking at Murray... Again, he's the type of guy that I think is going to come up in here and really take that marking and roll. I think in the next year, he's going to be able to be utilized even more. And that's also probably going to help Alvin Kamara. You could have a, a number two guy that they trust a lot in Murray. And again, if Murray can just kind of have a season like this, maybe a little better because I think he's going to have more carries. So I think he's going to be able to have more opportunities to break off some big runs, run down steam really well, and kind of wear down the defense. So I do think that he could be even better in 2020. But again, if he puts up similar numbers than these... And I can't see why he can't. He's going to be a really nice Robin to Alvin Kamara's Batman. So that's really what I'm thinking there with Murray. Again, you're hoping for him to give you the exact same output or more from last season. I'm actually expecting maybe to get a little bit more if the Saints especially try to run the ball more. But again, that's kind of what I'm thinking with Murray. Right now, now the Saints' third running back is kind of a battle right now between Ty Montgomery and Dwayne Washington. I'm going to give it to Ty Montgomery right now because I think Montgomery is not only going to be your three running back, but he's also going to be your fourth receiver or maybe even third receiver, depending on how Traquan Smith plays. And he's really going to be your flex guy for the Saints. So again, that's kind of what I'm thinking with Montgomery. And he's going to be a guy that, look, when he got his chance, he was really solid. He was a guy that was reliable in the screen game. He got a lot of yards as a kind of a bruiser type guy. He's a bigger guy. So when you're looking at him, he can do so many different things. He's really good in those short to intermediate routes, which I really like. And when looking at it, if he could be a guy that can come out of the slot, be really, really good for the Saints, he's a very good, just in those like meticulous route running situations, he's very good. So he's good at those option routes. He's good at those in routes, those out routes. He's really good at that type of stuff, those crossing routes. Like that's where he kind of makes his money, screen routes, like all that stuff. And he's really good with those visions and screen routes as well, because obviously he's a running back and he could do all that stuff, but he has so many receiving attributes that it really puts him on that kind of high level there because at 2016 was probably his best season. He was able to rush for more than 450 yards. He was able to catch 44 balls and almost 350 yards through the air. He also added three touchdowns. Like he had a pretty all around good season. He was a contributor for that team. He started six games. And then 2017, he came in. He was really the starter for them. And again, he did a pretty solid job in eight games. He had Only 71 rushing attempts, but he had almost 300 yards. He had three touchdowns there as well. And then he also caught 23 balls for 173 yards and a touchdown. So he had four total touchdowns in eight games. And he also was able to have over 400 all-purpose yards. He could also play special teams, which I think is really good. He can be your punt returner, be your kick returner. Obviously, that's not going to be his role for the Saints, but at least he can do it. Let's say Deontay Harris goes down, like then you have Montgomery to come in here. And he's a guy that... Again, I think can come in here, do a lot of different things. Like you could have in a shotgun set, you could have Alvin Kamara, 
Latavius Murray, and then kind of on a jet sweep, you can have Ty Montgomery. Like, think of that. That's really crazy. And then also Mike Thomas out wide. And then also you have Jared Cook, Adam Troutman. Like, you have all these guys. It's hard to account for all of them. And yeah, I think he's going to find a nice niche in the Saints offense. He's going to do his job really well. And he's going to help the Saints offense. And he's going to help them bring the group to the next level. He's a guy that definitely fills a hole for the Saints in that kind of slot role. I think that's where he's going to find his biggest niche for the Saints in those kind of short yardage situations in the slot, be able to just like win on a one-on-one and make a play for a first down and be a possession receiver. Cause that's really where he thrives. And again, like when you're looking at the two years he played, he only, he was targeted 56 times in 2016 and then 31 times in 2017. And he caught 44 balls of those 56 targets in 2016. And then 2017, he caught 23 balls of the 31. So he definitely catches a high amount of his balls thrown to him and like you're looking at his catch rates always above 70 percent and two out of the three years out of those top years he was above um 75 percent so that was really good as well his years in green bay i should say not his top years but at least his years in green bay he was over that 75 percent mark and then with the jets he was over 75 percent as well but obviously he was kind of out of the offense and look he didn't have the touches you only have 45 touches you're not going to do much with it it's very very difficult And then Baltimore, again, coming in mid-year, that wasn't really the offense for him. And I really think he's going into the right part here, the right system. And I think he's going to shine with it. I think he's going to do a really good job here. And he's going to bring a role to the Saints that they didn't have before. And I think that's really, really big. So I definitely wanted to touch on that. Then also our fourth running back, Dwayne Washington. And again, I think he's a guy that, look, if the Saints are going to need him, let's say an injury happens, He's your guy that comes in here and makes your RB3 role. Maybe he still makes his team because Ty Montgomery also is kind of like a receiver as well. So to me, that's kind of interesting when looking at it. But he's a guy that's good veteran depth. And and really in the special teams, he's a great player to block punt last year. He's always one of the first guys to the ball. And he's a player that is valuable in that special teams. And is a good veteran on that special teams unit. And he also gives you depth as a running back as well. So as a third running back, he's really, really solid. And again, if if the Saints are going to say, well, Montgomery is really more of a wide receiver. We want to use him in that way. Let's keep another running back. That guy is most likely going to be Dwayne Washington. So that's kind of what I have to say on him. And also, he's a pretty good downhill runner. Like whenever I see him run, he's like, it's usually at the end of games and blowouts, but he usually does a pretty good job. And those are obviously going to be stacked boxes. And he still does a good job. So I definitely wanted to kind of shout him out for that because I think he's also a pretty good runner. Underrated. That's really what I think about Dwayne Washington. And then our last running back here is going to be Tony Jones Jr., who the Saints picked up as an undrafted free agent here at a Notre Dame. A player that comes in mind when I think about Tony Jones Jr. is Devin Ozigbo, who was also kind of a train camp standout for the Saints in 2018, but he ended up being cut and then picked up, I believe, by the Jaguars. And he was a guy that, again, he was a good downhill runner, kind of like Mark Ingram. People thought, oh, well, he was maybe kind of replacing Mark Ingram. And a lot of people kind of thought that, especially because he did such a good job in training camp and also in the preseason games as well. And again, I think Tony Jones Jr. is a lot like that. He's a powerful downhill runner. He's built just like Mark Ingram as like kind of that short and stocky type running back. He's 5'10", 220. Ingram's 5'9", 215. So very, very similar in that manner. He's also kind of really fit for the NFL, big frame. He's a tough guy. He's going to be able to withstand a heavy workload if it ever came to that for him. And he's also got surprisingly good speed, especially when he picks up steam, kind of like Mark Ingram. And he's also, you know, he's good at shedding tacklers and kind of bowling over guys. 
like Mark Ingram was. He's also a good pass blocker, again, like Ingram, and he's able to have a good hand placement and a pretty good base to stop some rushers from either the linebackers or maybe it's a defensive end. Whoever it is, he's actually pretty good in that, which I think is actually really good. And he didn't play a lot of Notre Dame, so definitely he's kind of coming in without a lot of wear and tear, so that's really good. And overall, he comes in here with, to me, a lot of promise. And he kind of, again, if he shows off in training camp and he showed off in the preseason, maybe he makes this team, but it's hard to foresee him really beating out Dwayne Washington or Ty Montgomery for that matter because, look, he doesn't have the best vision and he can't really get that quick explosiveness. He needs to get like that downhill run, but if he doesn't do that, he's really not that explosive. And, again, that means his consistency isn't that good as well. So that's really what I thought Tony Jones Jr., Definitely, this group to me is really strong, the Saints running back group. I think that, again, A+, A plus, like they have that star in Alvin Kamara. They have a complimentary two-back with Latavius Murray. And then they also going to have Ty Montgomery, who's going to be like a flex guy for them. So he kind of fills that role for them. And then also they have Dwayne Washington, who's a special team standout and also a pretty good runner when he gets his shots. And then also they have that unproven rookie that is a really good downhill runner. He's a good blocker, but he has some issues with explosion and being consistent carry to carry. So that's really what I think of the Saints running backs there. Really great group. I'm definitely not worried about them, but that's kind of just my overview of all the players and my analysis on all the players. And again, you're looking to me. I think I'm going to be really projecting a good year for Alvin Kamara back to that 2018-2017 level from him. I think he's going to be really, really solid there, especially when you're looking at the offensive line, which I think is more kind of suited for him now that they're going to be able to get out in space a little more. I'm hoping Andrews Pete's healthy, so he'll be able to get out in space more. And I think that's going to help Kamara a lot also in the screen game and the zone running systems and all that stuff. I really think it's going to help Kamara a lot. And then also I'm hoping that Murray, because the Saints now trust Murray, it's a year into the system now, and Murray has a good grasp of it. And then really the Saints now have a good grasp of how to use him. I'm really excited to see what the Saints can do there as well. And then again, Montgomery is kind of a wild card. But I think he is a really good chance to come in here and kind of help take the Saints offense to the next level by just doing his role. It's, it's going to be nothing extreme. And you probably won't even see a lot of it in the stat column. Like, he's probably only going to get, let's say, five, six touches a game. But those five, six, like again, just like Taysom Hill. If he can get, like, five, six touches a game, like, they're going to count. And I think it's going to be the same thing with Montgomery. And I'm hoping that the Saints could find a little bit of a role for him. It may take some time. But I think he is a valuable player to have on this team because just, again, first of all, he's a good depth player as he could be a receiver and running back. And then he's also good in special teams as well. And then also he's a guy that could do so many different things. He could fill some holes for the roster, especially like when you're looking at the slot or maybe if there's an injury or something, like he could definitely plug up those holes there. And then you have a special teams player, as I said, in Washington. So again, if the Saints need one of those players, he's going to make the team. And if not, then he's probably not going to make the team. So that's really my synopsis on him, and then Tony Jones Jr., you really don't know what you're getting out of him. I think he's a candidate to be a camp standout, but again, who really knows? It's very difficult to kind of tell right now. We'll definitely see a lot more once training camp starts, but with all that said, I think it's time to wrap up this podcast. If you like what we're doing here at the Houdat Discussion and want to have more content from me and really enjoy what we're doing here, Definitely follow not only our social media accounts that I said earlier in the episode, but also follow our YouTube channel, and we do film studies there, and then during the season, I want to do a few more segments on the channel, 
So, film studies so far, we've done Emmanuel Sanders, Malcolm Jenkins, Andrews Pete. We just did one on Jadavion Clowney, so I really would love if you guys can check that out. And I thought that was really interesting, too. So, again, if you really like the content here and you want more kind of film studies, want more analysis, stuff like that, definitely go check that out. And I'd be really happy if you were able to give it a thumbs up and a comment. Definitely would be grateful if you guys did that. And then also, you can listen to this podcast wherever you get all the other podcasts you've listened to. So that means we're available on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, really any site that you can think of. We are on Stitcher, all those sites you can find our podcast. So definitely do that if you're just finding us for the first time. But that's all I have to say for this episode. So I just want to say thank you for listening. Run it back. And who dat?